Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> And welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, is Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. And uh, good morning, and welcome, Cindy. Good morning. How are you today? Um, I'm doing all right. It's not too bad. We've had a little bit of rain back and forth here in, in uh, Florida, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, if you watch the uh, the news at all and, and the weather station. But um, it, can't complain. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. It's warm still, so it's it's not too bad. Um, but welcome everybody to the show. Uh, I'm just getting my morning vent out here, so bear with me. I uh, got a great show this morning. Cindy uh, and I are gonna talk about a few things this morning. Uh, she just uh, played in the Jim Kelly tournament. We're gonna talk about that a little bit, and uh, then we're gonna talk have a discussion on uh, building your confidence, uh, something that we could all use from time to time. And then a little bit later on in the show, uh, the second half of the show, we're going to be joined by LPGA teacher professional and member of the uh, proponent group, uh, Karen Nicoletti. She's going to be joining us in the second half of the show. But let me just very quickly remind everybody, Cindy, uh, that we are live every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and that will take you to the main page. Uh, Front and center, of course, is always the current show. Um, when we're live, and uh, if for some reason you can't join us live and uh, are one of those that joins us a little bit later, you can listen to the recorded version. Just scroll down to the on-demand section, and you can pick it up there. It's in uh, chronological order, uh, newest show to, to the oldest show, so you can scroll down and find your favorite uh, guest if, if there was one on there that you want to hear particularly, um, but we appreciate you joining in each and every week. Um, also, we're available on iTunes.com and Stitcher.com now, uh, under the podcast section, just type in Women of Golf there as well in the search keys, and uh, you'll be able to listen to us there. always love to hear from you and uh, would love for you to call into the show at any time during the live broadcast on Tuesday mornings. Uh, number is area code 347-945-5855. And, of course, if you want to reach out to Cindy and I, um, if you're interested in maybe coming on the show or maybe you've just got some comments or questions for us um, that you maybe like for us to discuss on the show, you can reach out to Cindy, and her email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com. And mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Um, now, Cindy, you were mentioning to me just as we were getting, literally getting ready to go on air um, that uh, you were at the Jim Kelly tournament this uh, past weekend. Yeah. It, wow. What a blast. This is the craziest golf tournament I've ever played in in my life. So a lot of former <laughs> Buffalo Bills and different, you know, even basketball players, baseball players, most of whom I don't know who they are. <laughs> In fact, I was sitting next to a guy, Jeff <laughs> Williams, last at dinner, and I, he got up to go to the bathroom. And I said to one of my playing partners, "Who is that guy?" So, <clears throat> as much as they don't know who I am, I don't know who they are either. Um, which I hate to sound that way, but that's the truth. Anyway, so um, they have like five stations over twenty-seven holes of tents and bands, and loud music, and drinking, and dunking, and beer pong, and absolute craziness with every kind of food you can imagine. And the funny thing is, the first time I played in this tournament, I was almost offended because it was like sacrilegious to golf. And then once I realized right. if, if you can't beat them, you got to join them, I had so much right. fun. <clears throat> and so... Yesterday I got a great team, which was awesome because I sometimes don't get a great team who they don't know how to play golf. But this particular team was from Team Golf USA. And in mm. fact, they didn't even work there. They were, they were hired guns. And um, we birdied every hole except one and eagled wow. three holes. 
And I've never done that. And we didn't win. My little brat son was playing on a team that <laughs> eagled four holes, and they shot 21 under, and we shot 20 under. And <clears throat> uh, anyway, we had a ball, and we, <clears throat> the trophies are the best. They're like these statues of a buffalo. And, um, right. Uh, absolutely awesome. I mean, we had so much fun. So Chris Berman was there, whose wife recently she just got killed in a car accident, which was terrible. Um, mm, wow. Yeah, but he was there. God bless him. And um, oh, Shooter McGavin from oh, Okay, wow. Caddyshack. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so lots of celebrities. It's just it. It was awesome. Just awesome. So I had a ball. And we came in second, yeah, and, and I finally got one of those Buffalo trophies, which I'd wanted for years. Well, that's not that's not bad. Uh, that's that's actually pretty uh, pretty darn good to say the least. And of course, um, as most of you know, uh, Jim Kelly, of course, was probably, if not the most, probably one of the most famous uh, Buffalo Bill uh, quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, um, that they that they've ever had. And um, he's run this tournament now for quite a few years. And, and now uh, there's a charity. His charity's attached. What's, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Kelly for Kids. So they, they provide grants for youth uh, foundations to help either sick, you know, children or underprivileged children. So they've given away thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, which is awesome. So, um yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how much money yeah. they raised yesterday, but it was a lot. Yeah, and and you know it's great. This is the one thing that I really love about golf. I mean, obviously, you know, we all enjoy playing it for those of us that are that are involved in it. But there are just so many great people like Jim Kelly and and many others out there, and and all of the supporters that get involved in these tournaments, and it gives back. It's just a way of really working within your community. And of course, I know this his charity. I'm sure. Uh, runs nationally, but you know, there's just so many great people. As you mentioned, a number of celebrities that show up to these events, and and it's a, it's a wild time. They make it fun and make it interesting, and and um, but the, the the core, you know, crux to it, if you will, is about helping the kids out and, and helping various charities out, uh, you know, for all these different tournaments. And that's one of the one of the great things I really like about the golf industry is there's just so much of that that goes on. And, uh, you know, you've got to give props to people like Jim Kelly. And, and especially, you know, as you've mentioned before, uh, I think a few years on the show, for, again, for most of you that, that uh, know of him or are familiar with his story, uh, of course, has, has uh, battled cancer for the last several years. Um, and uh, that, that was probably his toughest, uh, toughest journey is dealing with that. But uh, he's, he's come out on the, on the, on the, the high side. So we're, we're grateful for that, that he's able to continue on uh, his legacy. Um, now I imagine, Cindy, that uh, even though you didn't win, but you came in second, uh, that gave you a little bit of a confidence boost, uh, I'm sure. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning: is is how to build some confidence. So let me just read something out here very quickly, and then we'll get into our discussion. Um, a lot of people, well, what is confidence? Uh, it's a feeling, really. It's it's about building trust and belief in your abilities uh, and your decision making. Um, during a challenging uh, set of circumstances. So I'm sure there were lots of challenges out in the golf course, even though you, you guys did phenomenal. Um, did you feel as the round was going on and the birdies were racking up, um, your confidence level building up? Did I? No. And you know what's funny is <laughs> the first hole we played, well, here's the catch. You can either pursue or you can protect. And right. the first hole we played, we made um, birdie. And one of our team members, who I had never met before, and he's first to putt, and I said, okay, you know, it's, I didn't realize at the time that it was automatic par. So why would you ever be short on a birdie putt if it's automatic par, right? So it's right. a mindset of, oh, I've got nothing to lose. Let's go for it. Well, he left it short. And then mm. someone else hit a putt, and he started talking to it. I said, do not early call the putt because <laughs> it'll never go in. It's a superstition. But, you know, right. it's like just keep your mind shut and let the ball roll in the hole because otherwise you're going to think it's going in and it doesn't go in. And So they were laughing at me because I was being bossy. And, you know, 
So after we, the next hole, we made eagle. And I said, okay, so here's the story. We are not adding up the score. We're not going to try to figure out how many under we are. Because if we do, we will choke our guts out, right? Yeah, and right. Because I said to them, look, all I want to do is beat my son's group because they win all the time. They have, like, a great team. Hired guns. And so I said, I I just, I don't, and and I want a Buffalo trophy because I love those trophies. And I don't ever really care about a trophy, but this trophy is really awesome. It's like a statue of a buffalo, and it's amazing. So anyway, we get to where we're almost at the end, and one of the guys in the group is an accountant. He goes, does anyone want to know where we stand? I said, no, keep your mouth shut, Ryan. (laughs) And so we got to the last hole, and I said, we just need to birdie this hole, and if we do, there's no way anyone's going to beat us, right? And we didn't birdie the hole. I mean, again, we we missed one eagle putt, and we missed one birdie putt. Other than that, we were perfect. And I said, I have never Mm -hmm. played in a group that was this good before ever. So if someone beats us, they're way better than us. And that's kind of what happened. But – But the confidence level, as long as you keep the right mindset, in my opinion, I can't, I can't protect myself. I must keep pursuing. And that happened this weekend on the LPGA tour. I think it was IK Kim who said she had no idea where she stood until she got to the last hole and she was nervous all day long. You just got to play each shot as it comes. Now that doesn't mean you're not confident in your ability so there's a difference between I'm confident or I'm pursuing and protecting. I know yeah, I mean, and if, you, if you start looking at where ahead. you're sitting, you're not going to pay attention to the task at hand, and then you're in trouble. Yeah, and, and that, that raises a really great point, Cindy, because if you look at a lot of the great players um, you know, throughout history and even the current players, Nat, they're not leaderboard watching. In fact, a lot of times um, – you know, they will, you know, after a round, they'll get interviewed and you'll hear them say that, you know, somebody will ask the question, uh, you know, what did you think of such and such? And, and uh, you know, on hole number nine, you were two shots back. They don't even pay attention to that. They're so focused on what they're doing. And that's a key. I think when you start adding up the numbers, and that was great. I like that you, you told the accountant, and of course, typical bean counter, he's got to add everything up. Um, you know, to, to basically, in a polite way, to shut up. We don't want to know. Let's let's pursue. Let's continue on with the round and and finish up strong. And that was the the right approach. Um, and and to finish second in you know in a field like that is is pretty awesome. And, and this really goes to really there are two types of of confidence levels. Uh, there's a proactive uh, and there's reactive. And just give you an example of of, I, uh, of either. And uh, great athletes tend to be. Uh, proactive with their confidence. To give you an example, back in 2015, Jordan Spieth uh, was walking to the first tee at Augusta before uh, the final round, and uh, you can be sure he was reminding himself that he was playing in, uh, great in 2015. He had built the foundation uh, yes. since he was 12 years old to handle the lead at, at the Masters on Sunday. So proactive, proactive confidence is a decision that will um, be sustainably confident from all of the great positive experience that you've had in the game, and, and there will be many. Um, on the on the flip side, of course, uh, more reactive players um, tend to react to the, the circumstances and tend to dwell a little bit, um, and their confidence levels don't tend to be as high. And I, I think it, it, it goes to, I would say most of the amateurs and or higher handicap uh, players city would be under the reactive category because they're more reactive to the circumstance. So if they have a bad shot the previous hole, they tend to carry it over to the next hole. Would you agree with that? Well, I don't know that they've had the experience. Right. Again, I think we all start as reactive. And the mm-hmm. more we play, like somebody that's going to break 100 for the first time, oh, if I par the last three holes or if I bogey, you know, I'm going to shoot 98, and then they triple, triple, triple. So we all have to learn that lesson by messing up. And that's my opinion is, you know, we learn by messing up. And so the person who's got more experience has probably learned that lesson. And only by losing do you learn to win. It's Ariana Jutanagar, 
who's number one in the world right now. I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. but a couple of years ago, all she did was choke her guts out. Yeah. Every time she was coming down the stretch, she would blow it. Well, what did that do for her? She learned how to win. So you learn right. how to win by losing. And, and so, again, I believe that we probably start reactive and then we learn how to be responsive. And and each time we have an experience, if we're smart, we will, you know, put that in our belt loop and chalk it up to another great learning opportunity so that when yep. we get in that situation again, and that's why I said to these guys after the first eagle we made and we were, you know, a bunch under only after a couple holes, don't start adding this up, pal, because we got 15 holes to go, and it's the longest round <laughs> of golf ever. One hole, two yep. holes we played, they had a um, – a uh, bazooka gun that would shoot the golf ball 400 yards. Wow. I've never seen that. And that was so, uh, so a 400 yard par four, we were like right on the green. Wow. Which helped us take an eagle, <laughs> I would say. But, but um, you know, so again, there's so many holes and it was backed up by like three groups on a hole. So you can lose your concentration. You just, each time you have to learn how to focus. And, and be able to step back and then gain it again, shift states, and get your composure back, in my opinion. And the only way you learn that is by screwing it up. Yeah, and, and you lose your rhythm, too, when, when you're in a situation like that. That's why a lot of people, you know, when they're playing, um, you know, on a golf course where groups are getting backed up, it, it's very easy to lose your rhythm um, and your your sense of timing, you know especially if you've got a good round going and everything, you know, all cylinders are firing and all of a sudden you, you get to a, a sort of a roadblock, if you will, um, you know, partway through your round and suddenly the next two or three holes, there's a big backlog. And that happens, you see sometimes, not very often, but you used to see it probably more often uh, a few years back where you would see some of the players, uh, there might be for some reason something happened and there'd be a bit of a, a, a delay. And in a, in a professional tournament, you cannot let that affect you. You have to, you know, you have to keep, you know, that internal mind going uh, in a positive direction because it's very easy to derail around. Uh, that's why a lot of players, you know, when they have a rain delay partway through a round, um, don't dwell on that because, you know, you might get six, seven holes, eight holes in, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a rain delay. You've got to come back out if, if the weather changes uh, and pick up where you left off. So you've got to set that mind. And that, again, goes to, as you pointed out the confidence that you build up over time um so what happens when a golfer loses their confidence can we teach them uh you know techniques on how to regain that confidence and of course the answer is yes um there are things that you can do and here are some things that we can do to, to and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about each because there can be a little bit lengthy so we don't have a lot of time but um preparation um cindy obviously uh that old saying build it and they will come um, is a secure feeling, you know, on that first tee, you know, you put the work and effort in and, and Cindy, I know there were uh, moments in your career where you've, you know, everything was firing on, on all cylinders. Um, but you had to do a lot of preparation to get to that level. So just in, in a nutshell, talk about your own game, if you wouldn't mind just a moment, what you did to, to, to make sure that you were prepared both physically and mentally, uh, to, to face some of the challenges that you've had uh, out on the LPJ and of course the legends tour. Well, again, I think it all comes from experience, you know, so the more you can experience, the more your belief level rises that you can deal with all these situations. Like yesterday, it got really cold. The temperature went down probably seven to 10 degrees and it started to rain, you know, and again, for those who aren't really committed, some of the, some of the groups even quit and said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, yeah, but you have to be prepared. So, did you bring your rain suit? Well, yeah, I did. You know, so again, even looking at the weather, you you need to think about the fact that you're going into battle and you need to be prepared for any situation. And that's why the game of golf is a great um, example of life, because yes, that's what's going to happen in life as well. I mean, you're going to have to deal with stuff. So, some of the kids that I teach. You know, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to play in the tournament and play 18 holes. I've got a couple 13-year-olds who are little late bloomers. And to play in the Western New York PGA tournaments, 
you have to be 12 to only play nine holes by a certain birthday. And I've got two young ladies who are now 13 who have chosen not to play in the tournaments this summer. And I said, you've got two options. If you really feel like you're not ready, wait till next year. On the other hand, you could throw yourself in there. You could shoot a 1,000 and learn how to compete. And they've yep. both chosen not to play because they're almost afraid to look bad. Well, right. that's part of playing the game. I mean, you've got to be able to not worry about what you shoot. You know, and, and again, are you, are you too lazy to walk and carry your bag when you're practicing? So, again, it's the physical, mental preparation and knowing that what you're seeking is really what you're wanting. You know, again, yeah, being, a, being a competitive player is not easy. No. So you might say, oh, yeah. I want to go play in tournaments and I want to play college golf. Oh, really? You better think about yeah. it. <laughs> well, and, and uh, you know, Cindy, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point that you bring up because a lot of these youngsters that, that watch all of these professionals on TV, they see all the glitz and the glamour and, and the accolades <laughs> that they get. Um, but they don't see all the hard work that goes into to getting there. And once they sort of get their feet wet themselves, they realize like, wow, um, this is a lot tougher than I thought. It's, it's not all, and, and, and it's in any, um, you know, high level com- uh, competitiveness, whether it be a sport or whether it be uh, in business, uh, it takes a lot of hard work. And this is where, just like we were talking about, we won't get into uh, it again, but uh, being proactive, allowing these great experiences. There's a missed opportunity that those two young ladies had by not playing this year. Uh, again, like you said, whether they shoot a thousand, <clears throat> pardon me, is, is irrelevant. It's it's the the opportunity to get some experience under their belts, um, so that when well, they come what I in said. another, I said the sooner you get out there and blow it, the, the more you learn, and and you need to know that everyone blows it, and and don't be yeah. afraid to do that yeah and and this brings really the the next yeah this really brings the next one and and this sort of falls in line with these i'm sure these two young ladies is understanding your strengths and limitations um you know a lot of times if if there's a, a a lack of confidence uh in in your game a lot of time you will um you know sort of bow out gracefully but understanding your strengths and limitations can work to your advantage because if you know what your limitations are, then you can focus on your strengths. So if you're not a very good, um, for instance, if you're not a very good putter, but maybe you, you um, uh, are a great driver of the ball, like we've had many guests from the Symmetra Tour on here that uh, drove the ball really well, but you, it was interesting how most of them, not all of them, but most of them that uh, were in that category also said that the putter would let them down most often. And that's where they focused most of their game. So their strength was in their driving, but they knew that their, their limitations or their weakness, if you will, um, was in their driving or maybe even part of their other parts of their short game. So that's where they focused. And again, going back to these two young ladies that you were just talking about, this would have been a great opportunity for them to work on uh, and build not only on their strengths, but focus on their, their limitations as well and work on that part of their game and get some experience at the same point, uh, same point. Well, and that's the catch is, are you afraid to fail? And, and I think you need to be willing to fail. And I think then you, depending on who you are, if you're a business person who has to play in a corporate outing and a scramble, you know, really there's less pressure on you than ever you know, because it doesn't really matter because you've got a team that's probably hopefully going to hold you up. On the other hand, if you're a youngster and you're playing in a tournament and your parents are watching you, you know, that's a little bit different type of pressure. So you need to be aware of what's the situation here and what can I do about it, but you have to be willing to fail. Yep. And, and uh, a couple of other points, I'm going to lump these two together, but uh, having some great coaching and, and with that coach help to create a clear and defined goal plan uh, is, is critical to building confidence. If you have a, if a defined goal um, or set of goals, depending on what you're doing, um, this can boost your confidence as well because you've got something specific and tangible to focus on. If you're just sort of playing willy-nilly, and I'm sure, you know, Cindy, when you're working with some, especially some of your junior players that maybe have some aspirations, not necessarily playing the tour, but maybe want to go to uh, play collegiate golf or even uh, on their high school team, um, 
you're helping them create some goals and setting a plan uh, in motion. So that's going to prepare them for when they get to that next level. Because if you're just out there hitting balls and you know playing a little golf, uh, but without having some sort of clear uh, goal in mind, they're not going to do very well when they get to that next level because they're not going to know how to prepare themselves. And I'm sure that's something that you work uh, diligently with a lot of your junior players, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, I mean, and it. I understand the fear. But if you really want the goal bad enough, you have to be willing to grow through that. Yeah, and and that's you know, and you got to understand too when you're when you're talking about uh, especially a couple of uh, you know thirteen year old girls that are just sort of uh, finding themselves and not sure what they want to do or or what have you. Um, I'm sure that it can be very daunting and very overwhelming, and I'm surprised you know, that both of them didn't, um, or both of them backed out. You know, you, you might think that one would have gone for it, maybe the other one didn't, but when they both did, that just shows you that there's a lack of confidence there in their game. Um, and they might be both pretty good players, but they're just, that confidence level just hasn't been raised enough to a point that they're going to say, hey, I'm going to get out there and make the most of it. And that just, again, that's lack of experience um, uh, on their part. Well, I also Let's believe bring in- that on the range... You know, you have to, when you're on the driving range and you're practicing, you have to play little games with yourself and aim at different targets and say, okay, let's yeah. pretend this counts. And, and the more you do that, the more you'll learn how to really hit the ball at a target. So I think it's called, you know, it's also paying attention to your intention. And sometimes people just whack right. away and hit balls and don't pay any attention to what they're doing. Therefore, you know, when it t- comes time to count, they're like, oh, wait, what? what? What are we doing? And I'm like, well, you haven't practiced. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and just the last two points, you've got to focus on your good shots, not the bad ones. There's going to be bad ones. Uh, one of the best ball strikers of all time, of course, was Ben Hogan. Uh, and through his own admission, he might only hit five or six uh, shots in the round that were great, um, but he had many misses, and of course, uh, so will the rest of us. Um, but focusing on your good shots and accept, uh, accepting that there will be many misses uh, is part of the, the understanding and building of confidence as well. Um, you know, you can't dwell, and th- I think this is the other thing that a lot of people do is they dwell. If, if you ever notice that, you know, somebody might go out and do something really great, and they'll be happy and they'll be excited. But if you ask them down the road, they'll talk about all of the mishaps they've had throughout their journey in life, whether it be on the golf course or off, they always seem to, and I, I don't, I've never understood that why people focus on the bad shots uh, or the, the mishaps, if you will, in life and not the positives. They, they'll gloss over, well, yeah, that was great, but, you know, and there, there's always a big but there. And that's the difference, I think, in, in really great players and sort of mediocre players is they're not focusing on, the positive ends of their game, they're focusing on on the, the misses and, and so forth. Um, and obviously focusing on uh, development as a player. Uh, in our, you know, if you want to get to that next level, then you've got to get out there, you've got to play, and you've got to create that uh, positive process, if you will, and positive environment. Again, whether you're playing golf uh, or developing a business career or even relationships, um, you know, you've got to have that, that uh, focus uh, on your development, and, and that'll you know, in time, we'll build it up. So there's a lot of things that you can work on. But as Cindy pointed out uh, very eloquently, uh, I think experience is the best um, thing that you can rely on to, to build your confidence. The more you get out there and work on your game and play your game and focus on different things and get some great coaching, of course, um, you're going to become a better player. Um, and speaking of great coaches, let's bring on our, our very special guest. She's been very patiently waiting, Karen uh, Nicoletti. Let me just tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll bring her on and join the conversation. Uh, she's an LPGA Class A teaching professional and a member of the Proponent Group, which is a premier network uh, of elite instructors. Uh, born in San Diego, California, she started playing golf when she was just five years old. Uh, had an excellent junior career. In fact, she won the Junior World Golf Championship when she was nine and ten years old. Uh, played on various mini tours and the Women's European uh, Tour after college and owned and operated her own golf shop in Germany. And she's also uh, conversant in German, uh, specializing in uh, golfer development. She, her, unique, her unique approach excuse me, uh, to coaching inspires golfers uh, of every age, gender, and skill level. Uh, her special efforts with junior golfers have uh, provided young players across the country with the tools 
uh, confidence and support to participate and achieve success in any endeavor. Uh, Karen is also the site director for the LPGA USGA Girls Golf Program and has a passion for working with students with various handicaps such as the uh, blind and quadriplegic. She's a proud graduate of San Diego State. Uh, Karen is a member, as I mentioned, of the LPGA and esteemed proponent group. And uh, without, uh, uh, sorry, what I also was going to mention too is in the winter months she works at uh, the Windstar on Naples Bay, which is a private club in Naples, Florida. In the summer, she can be found at Portland Country Club in Falmouth, Maine. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Karen Nicoletti. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. How is everyone? We're great. How are you? We're doing? I'm doing wonderful in the balmy northeast, as you know. It's a little chilly up here. Not too many golfers on the golf course this morning. But we're going to get through it, and it's going to turn tomorrow, they say. Good. Can you teach inside? I cannot teach inside. At this moment, we don't have an indoor facility, no. Oh. Oh, don't don't make it any worse than it is, please, would you? (laughs) (laughs) I was listening Uh, to the the program this morning, and you had made so many great points, you know, that reminded me when I was a junior how you practice and, you know, how you become better at what you want to do. Absolutely. That's a great. So tell yeah, us that's a great place to how and where, start. Tell us about how and where you started. You know, San Diego has one of the largest junior golf associations in the country. We've had some, some you know, mediocre players like Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, a couple of those guys come out of our, Charlie Hoffman, come out of San Diego Junior Golf. So I'm the youngest of three. My sister is actually a golf professional. My brother was a golf professional. Unfortunately, we lost him a couple years ago. But I just became from a big golfing family. I didn't come from a wealthy family. And my father wanted to put us in a sport that we could, He both my parents would work and we would take the bus to Stardust Country Club in San Diego. It was a semi-private club. We could be safe there, actually. And we all turned out to love the game and I live and breathe the game. My husband is a caddy out on tour, so, you know, I follow the game closely, um, have my whole life, and it's just something that I was very much a natural at. And um, I couldn't think, really think of doing something differently. I love it. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we would just take the bus home from school. You know, after at, from school I would take the bus straight to the golf course, and when my parents got finished with work, they would come to the golf course and pick us up so you know you know there i learned a lot from being at the club it was a yes ma'am no ma'am environment you know shirt tucked in and you know you couldn't run around crazy so my first job ever of course was picking the driving range (laughs) well it's a great place to start karen let me ask you karen uh, since you were listening into the earlier part of the show we were talking about how to build confidence and obviously uh, from your resume, you, you played on the European tour and, and uh, other mini tours. What were some of the key things that you recall um, that you did to, to sort of build your confidence? Uh, Cindy obviously talked about, uh, highlighted, you know, experience obviously is a, is a big factor, but what were some of the things that you did that you can recall uh, to help build your confidence when you were out playing on tour? Well, Cindy hit the nail on the head when she was talking about playing games with yourself. I learned my short game, or actually teaching pro at the time, was Phil Rogers. So I was a very lucky young lady to learn from one of the best. And and that's what he did. You know, we would put down a ball and we'd play a game. If from 30 yards out, it would be all water. And if I could get it over the water, I could get a lollipop. And so God for oh, a wow. kid, you know, when you're young like that, you know, we would tend and visualize a lot that there's water there. And every time I got it over the water, he'd give me a sucker or a lollipop. And so I played a lot of games with myself to put me and get me ready when I played in a tournament where other people might be fearful of a bunker or fearful of water or he, I practiced those positions. So when I got up there, water, I never had any fear of water, never had any fear of out of bounds. We would definitely play games where we would look out on the driving range and the flag on the left would be out of bounds and the flag on the right would be out of bounds. And so when I hit my drives, I was, you know, when I got to a course that was very narrow, I never feared it because I had practiced it. And I think, I mean, I really do, and believe, I preach that today to adults. Take yourself in a situation. I think a lot of kids, 
what happens to them is they're used to the center of the fairway. Well, let, we all know that we don't hit a ball perfect. And so you better right. be ready to, you know, how many people go and practice and dump balls in the rough? How many people practice a buried lie? You know, I think if you want to stand out as a junior golfer and succeed, I mean, who did it the best? Tiger. It's not a good golfer is how you recover from a bad shot. And unless right. you've been in that situation before, it's quite difficult. Yeah, and that's a, that's an excellent point, you know, and that you bring up Tiger because if you remember even early on in his career when he was, uh, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s when he was really at the – um, you know, I won't say height of his game, but um, but certainly a strong point in his game. Uh, he wasn't always hitting the fairway. In fact, a lot of times he was hitting out of the rough, but he was able to recover with such um, ability that it was just a mind-boggling. I can remember in, in my head, uh, I think it was at the Buick Open one year, he was in the rough on the right, and uh, he, you know, carved, I think it was a six or, uh, might have been a six or seven iron, and, and landed it just perfectly on the green. He had trees to go around and, and thick rough to come out of, and he just hit a beautiful shot. Um, but he was able to, to master those types of shots in some difficult lies, um, and he wasn't always hitting from the middle of the fairway, as you just pointed out. So you're right. Uh, I think a lot of our, our high-handicap golfers need to, to procus, uh, practice on areas that they're not confident uh, or comfortable with in order to build confidence. And um, I'm sure that that's what you do when you're working with uh, some of the, the junior golfers that you work with, correct? Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I don't give them a good lie. I give them something that they, might, that they might experience out on a golf course. As we all know, there's a lot of great ranges in the country that do have downhill, uphill lies. But you hear it from your students all the time. How do you hit off a downhill lie, uphill lie? And then they go play other courses, and they have to be able to. You can't just make up that shot as you play. So building confidence, my goal is when I get my children, kids, you know, the kids that I teach, the adults that I teach, that I prepare them to play in any situation. And it's funny, you know, the little keeping it simple. I think me and Cindy have had many conversations in the time I've known her, you know, keeping it simple and, and getting and preparing people to play and I think winning is the hardest thing you can do and once you win but you have to you have to fail before you succeed and one of my favorite sayings ever is you know success is failure turned inside out you know when you have these kids that cry Mm -hmm. I just was at the drive chip and putt you know regionals here in Maine and or our local qualifying here and you know you see the kids crying and you you just feel for them but I asked myself, I, I'm not, may my, I may not be their coach, but I asked them, did they prepare for it? As long as you give it your best, you have to prepare for not being the best on that day. And, and I will tell you, from a junior, a great junior career like I had, that was probably the hardest thing for me to learn, that, yeah, I was the best in San Diego for many, many years. Played with Heather Farr, who's no longer lived with us, Lisa DiPaolo, I played some of the great, great golfers. But what happened was I realized there was one of me in every state. So I feel like parents hop on the train of how great their kids are but in local tournaments. But if you really want to take your game to another level, you have to prepare for that level. And that part of prepare is failure. So you don't crumble when you hit a poor chip or you hit a bad putt. Wouldn't you agree, Cindy, on that? Is that I feel like they, you know, they're, because they're great in, let's say, New York or great in California or great in Maine, that there's another golfer out there that's just as good of you, just as good as you in New Mexico. Well, and mm-hmm. willing to work harder and wants it more. So, again, I, there's two parts. You know, I have a young girl that I teach that I've taught for three years now, and she's eight right now and last year when she was seven she played in a u.s kids golf tournament she shot 30 for nine holes which was six under par and yeah so she's eight right now and she's playing in the western new york pga tournaments carrying her own bag for nine holes from the red tees she shot 46 on sunday and came in second against 12 year olds that's now, awesome. Well, but here's the catch. I mean, part of it is I don't know how much it's her dream. I think she's in love with it because 
daddy and mommy love it when she wins. So she's correct, really correct. being pushed. But they now want me to give her two-hour short game lessons every week. No. And, and part of me, you know, I have said to her, can she just go home and play with dolls and watch a movie? So Absolutely. there's two parts to it. The girls that she's beating, I need to say to them, how hard are you practicing? Because she's totally paying attention to how to get the ball up and down when she's with me. We are so focused on the intention. So her attention is on the intention. Whereas you're just sitting here trying to waste the hour away. So they need to be made aware of, you know, someone wants it more than them and is willing to put in the work and commit. And and if you really want what you say you want, you have to be willing to work on it and then realize that you're just a little fish in a big, big, big pond. Yep. Would you agree? Yeah. And, that, and that's anything in life. And like you said earlier, that's, I mean, that is such great advice is, you know, I think for me, I'll be the first to tell you I'm, I was definitely a child burnout, for sure. My father, I was my father's ticket to fame, and, and unfortunately I rebelled a little bit, and then I got burnt out as a child because I won everything I looked at. So when I, let's, for instance, if I shoot 30 and I'm playing 9 and then I go and shoot 46, I don't know if I'd throw my temper tantrums, but I would be like, oh, I'm awful, I'm awful. And, and a coach came to me, a great coach, and said, Awful, 46 at eight-year-old, you know, eight-year-olds playing. You played fantastic, carrying your own bag. You played fantastic. But I was so used to winning, and I had a very hard father on my shoulder of, you know, to the point of, like, why didn't you win? To So for all the parents that are listening, I wanted to go play with that doll, but I had that pressure of a parent pushing me, pushing me, and, and in the long run, I backed away for a long time. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wanted to go to the beach. I was from San Diego. I wanted to, but I knew I was good, and I knew I thought, well, maybe this could take me somewhere. So, you know, the point well taken is, you know, the parents come back mm-hmm. and want a two-hour lesson. She was doing fine with her one-hour lesson. Let's just keep her focused on her intention, you know, and and it's it's really sad to see. I mean, I tried to be a high school golf coach for one year, and, that wasn't my calling, to say the least. I I yeah. couldn't deal with the pressure the poor kids had because I was your – you want to burn out your child, just make them go to the golf course every day. If that, It's different if the child comes to you and says just absolutely loves it and wants to spend time practicing. But, you know, that leads me into why we have programs like PGA Junior League or LPGA Girls Golf is when I grew mm-hmm. up, I was the only girl – I was the number one player on my high school team, which was a boys' team because there wasn't a girls' team. You know, I. the problem was all my girlfriends wanted to go to the beach, and where did I go? To the golf course every day. So, they, you know, we've done, I believe, we as instructors or people have a passion for the game, have done a great job on different junior golf programs to get them to meet new friends. And those programs are all about having fun and enjoying the sport which is very important to me, that you got to have fun at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, and Karen, you, yeah, and Karen, you raise a, a, a great point. You know, I think it has to be up to the child, and you're exactly right. There are a lot of uh, parents, unfortunately, out there, well-intended, I'm sure, in many cases, that um, are, are wanting their, you know, their, their children to play competitive golf. And the kids may want to play as well, but may not be quite as passionate about it. But they're doing it out of out of guilt or out of um, you know some other reason. To make mommy and daddy to, happy. Right, exactly. And you're right. How many times do you see where the child is going out and the parents think they're you know the next child prodigy, and suddenly that that kid gets burnt out or starts becoming more rebellious, uh, and then they wonder why. Well, here we're giving you all these opportunities. You're playing on some of the best golf courses. You're working with the best trainers and this, that, and the other. And the kid says, all I want to do is go, as you said, go to the beach with my friends, um, right. you know, or do something else. So talk about a little bit about the LPJ Girls Golf, because you're obviously the site director, as, as you mentioned in the notes here. Um, tell us a little bit about the program and, and some of the things that they do there to, to get the girls mm-hmm. interested in, and, and foster, obviously, um, some future development. Um, Cindy, do you, are you part of the LPJ Girls Golf program at all? I do. I have the Girls Golf program of Buffalo. 
Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's just an amazing golf program. We do. I work here in partnership with the uh, Cumberland Recreation Department in Yarmouth or Cumberland, Maine, actually, which is right outside of Portland, Maine. It's a, or you know, it's a nationally recognized program. We do grades two through ten. We do it by grades. And um, if there's someone that can that plays a lot younger with their father that wants to come into the program, but what I do with my juniors is we break them up into. You know, 13-year-olds, not all 13-year-olds want to hang out with 8-year-olds. So what I try to do is I try to break it up into different groups where I have um, on Sundays, I do it on Sundays, where I'll have my 8-year-olds at 1 o'clock, I'll have my uh, 13-year-olds at 3 o'clock. And what I do is I try to, once a month, I'll have my older girls come and mentor the younger girls. We learn um, all the basic fundamentals about golf. We learn why they're playing, what they want to do. Some of them, you know, have ambition to be uh, LPJ pros, whether that, that's their vision now um, or that'll hold. I have no idea. You know, I just tell them as long, you know, I, I'm the girl that promotes how great golf is later in life, whether you want to be a PGA Tour player or, or excuse me, an LPGA Tour player is how great there's so much business done on the golf course later in life and how great it is um, a sport that you can do forever. And that's my big thing. I, you know, we have a hashtag with the LPJ Girls Golf that says hashtag little girls big dreams. And I just love, love that um, that quote or that hashtag. Absolutely. What about – what are some of the other opportunities? Uh, there's some scholarship opportunities as well uh, for, for young golfers out there. Um, do you work with some of the, the – uh, how do you sort of work that into your programming? Sure. I mean, I don't – It's a, we have the LPGA and different organizations, the USGA. Um, there's different scholarships that the LPGA allows girls, even if they're not going to play. They've played golf since they were a certain age, let's say 10, you know, 10 um, that as long as they continue to play golf, they can. They there's many applications out there for them to fill out that we can be able to give them scholarship money. Um, the problem is a lot of our golf scholarships in the U.S. as you know go unused, and we you know every time they give six men scholarships, they have to give six women scholarships. So we don't have enough young girls playing the game or growing up and sticking with the game. And I think that's the question, Cindy, we have to ask ourselves is, you know, I've got many girls that have come through many of my girls' golf programs that are no longer playing and it breaks my heart. But you know what? I know that I had fun with them. You know, I taught them a lot about empowerment. And, you know, we have our five E's in the LPGA girls' golf program. And, you know, different, kind of like the first tee, we're mentors to them. So they crush me when they don't continue to play, but they, um, but there's opportunities. I had a young girl that shot in the 90s. Um, you know, some people, that's good. That might be their goal. They're not ready to be tour players. But when I was a high school golf coach, she was in my LPGA girls golf program in Myrtle Beach, and we were able to get her a scholarship a partial scholarship to and give her some money for her family to play golf. And um, I just think that that is a great way of getting younger kids to play and have them realize that the scholarships that are out there are going to waste. Um, our five E's in the LPGA Girls Golf Program is empower, enrich, engage, exercise, and energize. And we use these, we try every week at our girls' golf site to target on one of these, whether we empower them, we try every day to enrich them, we engage them, we definitely get them doing exercise and energize. And I use those five E's about anything in life, not just golf. Hmm. Why do you think, uh, Karen, why do you think that, that's sort of happening with with young girls like that getting you know interested in golf very early on and then all of a sudden uh for many of them sort of stopping is it just a, a change in in um 
what they want to do or is it just because you know usually when when boys get into something like that they'll continue on they may not necessarily play professionally or uh, competitively but uh, they usually still continue on but for some reason the, the girls are changing why do you think that is do you have any theories on that um you know i've thought about it tremendous i i think it they get to that teenage girls were like a soccer player it's a team environment you have the bows and the hair and the ribbons and the girlfriends and they all go for pizza afterwards a group environment and i think for golf it's i am very big on bring a buddy bring a partner because i feel like if you don't have a girl if i'm 13 years old 12 years old school's out for summer if all my girlfriends are going to do one thing then I lose interest kind of when I become a teenager. Again, here in Maine, I talked to a young lady yesterday or the other day during a tournament, and she said, I play, she's on the high school team, no girls' high school team. She plays with the boys. And I asked her, she's getting ready to graduate next year. Is she going to play golf in college? She said she's not sure what she wants to do. So my theory on it is I, I believe that, they get out of it because there's not girls aren't doing the same thing. They lose the key right. to the girls' golf programs is they're young, and I think Cindy would agree with me that and coaches listening and coaches all over the world that that's one thing we have to stop. We have to keep them. It's our job to keep them interested in the game and and further their golf career. I, I don't have the answer. Do you, Cindy? I, I really don't know why it happens. I just see it happen. I think you're right, and I think that it's harder for someone who doesn't have parents that play to encourage them and take them out to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, That's one reason, yep. Yeah, and I think that they realize that it's hard. And they're being exposed. So I believe that kids, you know, golf is a game that's you and the club and the ball and the course, and you can't hide behind anything. So I think it's they're, you know, afraid to fail. They don't want the exposure. They don't have any friends to go with them. So, you know, again, we can do, I, I agree with you. I think it's great that you're saying, you know, bring a friend. That You have to do that. Um the catch is that, you, again, we can't do it all for them. We have to be willing to encourage them, and and I don't know what the answer is, to be honest with you. you know, I, I don't really know. You know, I've heard over the years, I would have said, years and years ago, I'm 51 years old, and I've been playing golf a really long time. And, I, you know, I say to them, I, I used to think it might have been the, it, I heard for a long time, it's such an expensive sport. But I think we've done so good on, you know, these programs, you don't have to have golf clubs. There's many programs out there that donate clubs. I think, you know, Cindy, as smart as you are, I really think that it is. The parents, if they don't play, it's tough. It's very tough. And I like to bring those high school girls in, and I have them mentor the little girls. So the high school girl feels like they're accomplishing something. They are a mentor. These little girls look up to these big girls that are playing golf. And I find that that's a, that is one way to keep them in the program is keep them around, use them, not when they get to the age of the program's no longer good for them. And they might not be playing on the AJGA. You know, they might not be furthering, but they love to come back and tell them stories about everything they got out of the game. So I think if we can keep using the bigger girls, they'll stay around the game longer. I think the more we have Cindy Millers in the game of golf, the more we have, yeah. you know, these women golf professionals that are out there on a on a business level. Um, you look at yeah. Susie Whaley, you look at some, you know, I think we're starting to see more executives, the Executive Women's Golf Association. So I'm really big in my program on telling them how great it is for later in life. I'm not expecting you to be a teaching pro like myself. You know, I just want you to realize I've taught enough CEOs in my lifetime to hear them say they have two resumes and they both go to Harvard. Okay, they're both great in interviewing. Let's look at their hobbies. Let's look at what they like to do. And golf's a Mm -hmm. big, big flag for those CEOs, knowing that, you know, golf – as a lot of integrity and honesty and 
So we talk mm-hmm. a lot about life in general, or I do, when it comes to teaching, mm-hmm. you know, and to me sometimes the ball is, is second nature. You know, I, I want him to realize how what it's taken me all over the world and my brother and my sister and, and it's helped me get jobs, you know. Yeah, it- yeah, it definitely opens the, the the door in a lot of cases, and you're exactly right. A lot of CEOs look at that in a resume. And golf, you know, in addition to the honesty and integrity, as Cindy and I were talking about earlier, um, poses a lot of challenges that really mimic a lot of the challenges that we face in life. I mean, you get out on the golf course, you've got bunkers, you've got, you know, thick, gnarly rough, you've got out of bounds, right. you've got all kinds of traps and, and, and little treasure, hidden treasures out there that you may be faced very closely mimics life and if somebody can't handle themselves and that doesn't mean you have to be shooting a low score but if you can't handle yourself with you know honesty and integrity if you've got to cheat in other words to get around the golf course that tells a lot to a ceo when you're coming in for an interview um you know how you handle yourself um and and for a salesperson that maybe takes up prospective clients you can learn a lot in even just nine holes of play about a prospective client, uh, whether you want to do business with them, how they handle themselves out in the golf course, if they're cheating or they're, um, you know, uh, whipping clubs or cussing or whatever they're doing, um, it gives you pause to think, do I really want to do business with this organization, um, you know, if that's how they handle themselves. So right. uh, you're exactly right. And I just, want, yeah, I just want to go back very quickly. We're almost out of time, but very quickly back to a point. I have a little bit of a theory, and I think you both touched on it, is, you know, Young girls are, of course, as they get up into their early teens, that are very, very highly social um, creatures, if you will. And I think you're exactly right. Golf can be, if you don't have somebody else to partner up with, even though it's an individual sport in many cases, um, it's a very lonely sport if you don't have somebody else to share it with. So if you and your besties, let's say, can't share that together and you're out on the golf course all alone and they've gone somewhere else on a girl's trip somewhere, um, it can be very lonely. So I, I think the next generation of of women's golf should be that bridge from junior golf um, into business golf and adult golf. So there needs to be that gap needs to be filled, and it doesn't necessarily have to be competitive. It's got to be something that gets more girls involved and wanting to stay as a group, not as an individual. And for those that want to play competitive, they can filter off and do what they need to do um, but those that just want to go out and make it a fun activity that they can share with their friends, that's the gap I think that we need to find and encourage. And I think we've got the tools to do it. We just have to put our, our minds together. But uh, that's just my thought and my take on it. Um, but some great, uh, great observations, uh, Karen, and, and uh, we, we appreciate you coming on this morning and sharing them with us. Well, I enjoy being here. I mean, I I could talk golf for hours. I used to do a radio show myself, and I just think it's such a fun fun sport and i think that i'm trying every day to get people whether they're they have physical limitations and that's a whole other show but just to get these young girls to stay with the game stick with the game that is my one of my goals is being i grow the game but i want them to not just grow the game for two years i want them i want them to become the next members the next mentors for the younger generation Right. Well said. Um, and you're exactly right. There are so many opportunities and golf can, can help bridge that gap for, for many, many people. And they just got to go out there and give it a try. And you don't have to be the next, you know, Tiger Woods or Annika Sorenstam or, or any of the other great professionals out there. Um, maybe you want to teach or maybe you just want to go out and play and have fun with your friends or, or uh, business associates, whatever. Uh, it's a, certainly a game that can be had by all. And uh, you were right, Karen, what you said uh, uh, earlier about uh, there's been a lot of initiatives taken to help decrease the cost of, of golf and make it more affordable for so many other people. But uh, on that note, Karen, we want to thank you for joining us uh, this morning on the Women of Golf. Sydney and I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your time and effort, and we appreciate all that you do uh, to help grow the game. Thank you very much for having me, and today is Women's Golf Day. So there's courses all over the country that are having special events, and it's Women's Golf Day, so I'm proud to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much, honey. All right. You're You're welcome. welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Stay warm. You too. All right, honey. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. All right. That was our very special guest, uh, Karen Nicoletti, um, an LPGA teach professional and member of the proponent group. 
um, sharing her thoughts and input on the game. And, and as always, C and I are happy to, to be here uh, Tuesday morning and share our thoughts and input, and we would love to hear from you. So um, by all means, feel free to reach out to Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com Cindy or mine uh, email is Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. If there's a uh, point of discussion that you'd like for us to, um, to carry out here on the show, or maybe there's a special guest that we haven't featured on here, or maybe we have and you'd like for them to come back, uh, send us a quick note. Let us know what, you, what you're thinking, or if we can help you with your game, we'd love to hear from you as well. Um, but on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Show, and we look forward to you joining us back here each and every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. So on that note, God bless everybody. Have a great week. And as always, Cindy, thank you for doing such a great job in helping to grow the game. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.